Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm happy to have you with us. So I know that over the summer, we've had a lot of different guests kind of talking on all different economic affairs and everything that's going on in the world today. But today we're going to kind of bring it back to basics and really get into some personal financial planning as we tie together both the worldwide economy and also your own personal economy. So what are we going to look at? Lots of times when I talk about financial planning, people react like like it's a job, like it's an annoyance. You know, when I talk with some folks, they feel like, all right, is it something I need to look at every day that I should be constantly reviewing, checking my portfolio, checking on how much is in the bank or on my balance sheet? And sometimes that can obviously get a bit tedious and then we get burnt out and then usually go in the opposite direction. Or you have some folks that maybe they just had a baby and they're being bombarded with, you know, college planning commercials or the young professional that's being taught, you know, save now for retirement. You got to do it. And sometimes it feels like looking at those goals can almost be like looking through a telescope where it's just they're so far off. It's hard to conceive, you know, why do I need to do that right now? Why can't I wait until I get closer to that point in life? So the point being is that all of these things, we want to try and strike a balance between planning for here and now and enjoying life, but also planning for all these different life events that will be way down the road, Uh, but we'll get here sooner than we all think. So with that in mind, today we're going to look at some financial planning goals or benchmarks, and we'll break it down decade by decade. So we'll keep it very simple in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. Where should you be? What does the average American look like? How are you stacking up against them? And what do you need to maybe adjust, you know, to kind of correct course and uh, make sure that you are on the right track? Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. So without further ado, guys, let's dive right into our 20s. What are some of the key things that we need to think about in the world of finance? I would say my own opinion is that you should become what I call a world-class saver. And what that means is saving about 20% of your gross income. All right, so just think, if you make $100,000 a year, in theory, we should be putting away about 20 grand a year. Now, where that is into the bank accounts, brokerage accounts, retirement plans, That's all up for further discussion, like we've talked about on a lot of prior episodes. But what I want to focus on first is just hitting that mark, that 20% mark, okay? I often tell people, you know, when they ask me about training for an Ironman or training for a marathon, you know, what do you do? And my response is often just start running. It's the same thing. If you want to accumulate a lot of wealth, just start saving. And then we can fine tune things as time goes on. So... What should that exactly look like? Well, as of today, the median income for a college grad in their 20s is about $46,000 a year, okay? That's according to Education Pays, which is a study done by the College Board, all right? So again, I'll repeat that. Median income for a college grad in their 20s is $46,000. 20% of that is gonna be $9,200 a year, all right? So if you're just... The average Joe out there getting on your feet early in your career, 9200 bucks a year, that would be a really good target to try and aim for. All right, now a lot of people will say, well, are we counting for pre-tax 20%, post-tax 
Roth contributions? Like what exactly makes that up? Again, I don't want to get too much into the weeds. We've done that on a lot of prior episodes. The overarching message is hit 20%. But certainly beware where those savings go, uh, what kind of vehicles they're in, how they're going to get taxed now or later is going to have an effect on your overall plan when you decide to use these monies. Um, so you do have you don't want to overlook it, but I would say first aim for 20 percent. All right. It's just kind of like we're trying to get to the gym five days a week. Once we got that underway, then we can talk about what exercises we want to do each day or what kind of vehicles we want to implement into the financial plan. Next up, once we know that we're a really good saver, think about how are we saving? Where's that money coming from? It's our, our income, our ability to go to work every day and generate an income. So if we understand that, that we are our own financial engine that's creating all of these assets that we accumulate over life, we need to protect that income. And I think that's why it may not be the sexiest topic, but that's really where every financial planning conversation should start, is trying to insulate that income so that we know it will always be there for us. So what do I mean by that? Well, according to the US Social Security Administration, and I quote, their statistics show that 25% of 20 year olds will incur a disability at some point in their working life, okay? That number is staggering. I know a lot of us don't wanna believe that, but those are what the actual stats show us, is that if we take a 20 year old, we look at their, their whole working career all the way out to age 67, about one in four are gonna suffer a disability lasting somewhere around two years uh, on average, okay? Some can be much longer, some of course can be shorter. But just think, if we lost two years of paychecks, what effect would that have on our life and our overall financial plan? Obviously that could be devastating. So we need to have a way to continue that pay. And the most effective way, in my opinion, is through what's called a true own occupation disability insurance policy. What that means is it's covering your exact skill set, your duties and responsibilities, so that if you cannot perform them due to illness or injury, the insurance company then has to pay and you will have an avenue to continue having a paycheck each month uh, that you and your family can rely on. Okay, so think about that, guys. We've talked a lot on prior episodes, group disability, individual disability, etc. but make sure you're protecting your income. It all starts there. Next, we're, we're a good saver. We protected our income. Now, yeah, retirement, if we're in our 20s, it feels like a lifetime away, it kinda is. But if we can start now, we'll take advantage of the power of compounding, which is one of the great wonders of the world. So what's a good way to do that that won't really derail your plans? If you got a workplace retirement plan, a 401k, a 403b, just start small, all right? Think big down the road, but we can start small. Maybe just putting 1% of our pay into this retirement plan. Most folks probably are not going to realize a 1% change in their take-home paycheck. So if we can just start at 1% and kind of squirrel that money away into our retirement plan, and then maybe what we do is we set up an auto increase on that plan. A lot offer that nowadays. And what that means is each year, essentially on your work anniversary, your contribution will go up 1%. So next year we're putting 2% of our pay into the retirement plan. The following year now we're putting 3% of our pay into the retirement plan. 
So that's a great way to take baby steps towards really starting to prepare for retirement right now as a young professional. And another kind of footnote that I would add to that is understand the retirement plan that your employer gives you. Is there a matching program? What that means is you're putting in X amount of dollars. Is your company, your employer matching some of that? If they are, you want to understand that formula because that's almost like a lot of folks will say free money where, where we're getting other money that otherwise we wouldn't from our employer contributed into this retirement plan. So obviously we don't want to miss out on that match. So find out what that is. And if for nothing else, try and contribute to that match. So you're getting some of those extra dollars put away on your behalf. And lastly, if you think taxes are going to go up and we're going back to that conversation, how are we saving? Where are we saving? Then consider the Roth option. Okay. A lot of people are familiar with the Roth IRA money goes in post tax. It grows tax deferred inside of this individual retirement account. And then if used correctly, it's been in there over five years, you're over age 59 and a half. All that money can now come out to you 100% tax free. So with the very uncertain tax climate in this crazy world that we're living in, that can provide a lot of certainty when we need it most in our retirement years. And if you're saying, well, I'm making too much money, I'm not in that average income bracket for a 20 year old, I can't contribute right to a Roth IRA. Either A, look back at our episode on the backdoor Roth IRA, or B, see if that Roth option is on the 401k or the 403b at work. If it's through work, there's no income restriction. All right, you can put away the 19,500 all in a Roth 401k and you're good to go. So moving right along, we got through our 20s. I know those are some fun years. I certainly miss them. And now we're moving on to our 30s, okay, where a lot of millennials reside today. We're starting to kind of get our feet on the ground. This is when most people are getting settled into a real career, uh, possibly getting serious with the relationships, having, you know, weddings, getting married, starting a family. A lot of real big life events often occur in the 30s. So we got to capitalize on that. Again, according to the same uh, resource that I had cited earlier, the median income for someone in their 30s is about $65,700 a year, okay? So 20% of that, we wanna be saving just over $13,100 a year, okay? So that's your benchmark. That's kind of the bogey that you wanna hit. If we can do more, you're ahead of the game, and congratulations. Now, what we're starting to do is we have these big life events. One of the biggest for a lot of people in their 30s is actually buying their first house. Okay. Now, as we start to make big purchases, all of a sudden that credit score that maybe we didn't think so much about earlier on is going to play a big factor in what kind of things we can do at this point in life. So the average credit score for millennials, uh, this is according to Experian, is 679. Okay. So if you're a millennial like me and you're looking at your credit score because you want to buy a new car or you're trying to get a mortgage, 679 is the average for our generation. If you're above that, again, congrats, you are headed on the right track. If you're below that, don't panic, don't freak out. Just think about what are some of the kind of dings against your credit score that you can improve upon. Make sure you're not late with payments or missing payments. If you have a credit card, which can certainly be a good tool, try and use that regularly, but ideally pay that balance off every month. If you pay it off every single month, you're not paying interest, 
and you're starting to establish a nice credit history, which really can start to boost up that credit score. Okay, so don't overlook that. Now, another big thing, again, I said a lot of obligations, family, a whole bunch of things happening in our 30s. So maybe the next thing that if we haven't already, we really want to consider would be life insurance. Okay, the life insurance industry often promotes what's called the human life value theory. And I'll quote that real quick. The human life value theory states that one should maintain life insurance equal to the present value of their expected future earnings. All right, pretty simple. What that means is that, God forbid, I got hit by a bus. I should have an amount of life insurance that can come into my household and provide as if I kept working my career. Okay, so that would be able to take care of the loved ones uh, just as if nothing had happened, financially speaking. Okay, so life insurance companies, they don't just say, hey, we'll give this guy a million, that guy 10 million, this one only gets 100,000. There's certain standards that they operate by in determining how much life insurance can you acquire. All right. And most of the rules for the majority of carriers out there look something like this. In your 20s, you're allowed to have 30 times your income. Or excuse me, in your 30s, you're allowed to have 30 times your income. In your 40s, you can have 20 times your income. In your 50s, it's 10 times. And after age 60, it's typically an amount equal to your net worth, uh, where maybe now you're doing more retirement and estate planning. Okay. So if we take the average millennial in their 30s, they're making a little over 65 grand a year. Uh, so if we say, well, what's 30 times that? That's about $1.8 million. Okay. So use that perhaps as a guideline, uh, looking at the textbook of how much should I have, you know, that will just give you an idea. And I know that that number, sometimes it sounds like, holy cow, I don't make that much money. And now you're throwing around millions of dollars of life insurance. And you hear people say, you know, I'm, I'm worth more dead than alive. Well, the reality is, you know, you would be surprised if you work another 30, 35 years with, you know, the cost of living and raises and everything else and being able to invest that money, it is quite a sum of money uh, that you can generate for you, yourself and your loved ones. And that's why if we look at just kind of one ticket coming in one single time to provide for them, uh, it can be quite a large number to some people. So an easy way to address that is through what's called convertible term life insurance. All right, term insurance, which is temporary, it's covering a specific term, 10, 20, 30 years, uh, is relatively cheap when you compare it to the amount of death benefit that you can acquire. So the point is while you're young and healthy, lock that in, get it out of the way, and know that your loved ones are taken care of. And that convertible piece that I had just kind of mentioned quickly, what that means is that you can convert some or all of that term policy to a type of permanent policy. So that can be obviously a very nice option 10, 15 years down the road when we don't know what life might throw us or where goals might be at that point in time. Okay. And uh, that's a little bit of what we want to get out of the way in the 30s, guys. And then once we get into our 40s, this is hopefully where we're really hitting our stride. Maybe we're climbing that ladder of whatever our occupation may be and our family's on their way and maybe we bought that forever house and we're kind of in our groove, okay? So the savings goal, again, it should never change. 20% of income. So the median income in our 40s is going to be about $74,300. 20% of that would be $14,860 a year. 
That's what we want to be taking home and keeping for ourselves each year. Some things to be weary of now that we got the family and everything are vacations. We all want a vacation. We all deserve a break and a good time. But just think, is it worth it? Can we afford it? All right. We always have to ask ourselves that, that kind of hard truth and, and figure out, does it play into our budget? The average cost of a Disney vacation today for a family of four, $4,641. All right. There's no place better than Disney, but we have to see where does that fit into this year's budget. Another thing that you want to think about is timeshares. Okay. A lot of people, as they're starting a vacation as a family, can get inundated with timeshare offers and perhaps sign up for something they didn't really research or totally understand and now be on the hook for a lifetime of maintenance payments and fees and a whole bunch of other things for kind of perhaps a select area or resort that they're entitled to uh, with different kind of rules and restrictions. So there can be great opportunities out there, but again, based kind of anecdotally on my own experience with thousands of clients, Timeshares, you do have to perhaps be a little careful as you get into the vacationing realm. All right. And then uh, some of the other things, guys, that we want to think about is perhaps we now have our little toddlers, our little family growing here. According to the U.S. News and World Reports, the average cost of a four-year private university today is $41,400. And the cost of higher education has routinely outpaced the rate of inflation. So if we got a two-year-old, think of what that 41 grand might cost 18 years from now if they decide to go to college. So as we start to build that financial plan and we're saving that 20%, perhaps we want to think about 529 college plans or other vehicles that can help uh, offset some of those education costs down the road. Again, prior episodes really dive into the nitty-gritty of those plans, so certainly go back and take a look. Then moving right along, I'm trying to keep this within our usual 20 to 30 minute segment here and looking at a whole life of finances. But uh, if we get into our 50s, these are the peak earning years, guys. This is kind of where it all comes together and there might be some light at the end of the tunnel uh, as far as retirement's concerned. So again, annual savings still should be around that $15,000 mark. Uh, and if you're saying, well, how much do I need to have for retirement? All right, there's people out there with defined benefit pension plans, teachers, police officers, government workers. They have most of this already kind of taken care of, or at least a large portion of it. If you're not so fortunate to have a pension plan and you're saying, well, how can I you know, take care of myself for perhaps a very long retirement? I don't know how long I'm going to live. You know, everybody kind of has that, that internal debate. Well, here's what a lot of financial planners recommend, which is going to be 25 times your annual expenses inside of your portfolio. All right, so your quote unquote nest egg, retirement funds, savings, etc., 25 times your annual expenses. Now, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average retiree spends about $4,000 a month or 48 grand a year. So if we do the math, that equates to about a $1.2 million retirement portfolio. Okay. Now, if you have a pension, great. That might be able to offset some or all of that. Uh, if you're entitled to Social Security, as most working Americans, again, that can offset some of those expenses. Now, if you're saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy just told me I need to save $1.2 million. Well, if you're a young professional, do not be worried. All right, just think at the age of 22, 
if you invest $4,600 a year at a 7% rate of return compounded, by the time you turn 65, you will have a portfolio just over 1.2 million. Okay, so again, that's why time is so valuable. We need to take advantage of it. Another thing about our 50s is this is where you'll hear a lot of talk of what they call the sandwich generation, which essentially means you're, you're sandwiched now. You're taking care of kids that are maybe in college or they're out of college, but they came back home. And you might be taking care of parents now as well, all the while trying to say, hey, I'm trying to get to retirement. This is a reality that a lot of Americans are facing today. Okay, according to a study by Boston College, uh, their Center for Retirement Research, 24% of parents are helping adult children pay their own rent, while 17% of parents are being responsible for caring for an elderly parent, all right, kind of like the grandparent in that scenario. So as you can see, those statistics are relatively high of still taking care of our kids while also now having to take care of our parents. That is the sandwich generation. So if retirement's starting to kind of be jeopardized by these colliding expenses, we need to reconsider perhaps, you know, weaning the kids off of this allowance and also what we're doing as far as our retirement or even estate planning goals. And then as major transitions occur from kids to grandparents and that feeling of invincibility perhaps starts to kind of subside, uh, you want to make sure that your estate plans are, are all in good order, uh, certainly by this point. Uh, I always recommend having an estate attorney take a look at the wills, trusts, etc., just to make sure that everything is up to date at that point in life. Okay, again, I don't provide legal advice, um, but you could certainly contact an attorney to help in that matter. And now we're moving right along into the swinging 60s, as I like to call it. This is where we're now about to uh, enter retirement for a lot of uh, Americans. Again, we want to finish strong while we're working in our 60s with that same savings rate. And as we do retire and start to look at new income sources, one thing to consider is possibly deferring Social Security. According to the Social Security Administration, if we defer our benefit from 67 to 70, the annual income benefit is 32% higher. So if we have longevity in our genes, we're in good health, just think we could get a much longer or much larger benefit for a potentially longer period if we live beyond life expectancy. Some other things to keep in mind, guys, every day is kind of feeling like Saturday as we retire, there's no more work. Some expenses could go up. Uh, for instance, the cost of feeding two people for $5 a meal for 20 years of retirement, that by itself is $219,000, okay? The average healthcare expenses, according to a study by Fidelity, for a couple will exceed $300,000 in retirement, okay? So we've been saving for this rainy day. Now it's starting to rain. Hopefully that's what all the planning we did over the past four decades is now adequate for. And now we enter our 70s. Uh, we're most likely into retirement at this point in time. According to the U.S. Census, uh, retirement is about 18 years on average for an American. So now we've got some peace and quiet. We want to enjoy those 18 years uh, and stay healthy and wealthy. But one thing I often encourage my retiree clients is to stay active. According to the Institute of Economic Affairs, there's a 40% increased chance of clinical depression in retirement. So we can offset that again by staying active. 
So whether you're a millennial, you know, looking at all this data I provided and you want to join the quote unquote fire movement, uh, which means financial independence, retire early, retire by age 40. That is a movement going on out there. Uh, you know, just think we've got to save more. Everything I discussed needs to be accelerated and some of the expenses may have to be shrunken or it, it kind of eliminated to try and speed up that that finish line. Uh, if not, if you say I want to work forever, I love what I do, I love keeping busy, then that may take some pressure off of all these different financial goals that I just listed for you. So I hope this was helpful, guys. You got a lot of goals, a lot of benchmarks out there now to keep in mind. If you got to go back and re-listen to the episode, definitely go ahead and do it. And please keep spreading the word. That's how we are able to increase our audience and share more financial education, which helps all of us. Again, I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. You just listened to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. We'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Kaderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003, phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Hiderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.